If I'm here and you're here, isn't it our time? Uh, who can remember that sentence, that phrase? If you can remember, if you're thinking it out loud, if you're screaming it out loud, I applaud you for that. It's the world-famous Spicoli. But it is our time. It is uh, a great time to be alive. So welcome in. This is uh, For the Win. I'm Eric Winalda coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios. Here at the Win, uh, there's a lot of wins in there. Lots going on in the world of soccer. And I, for all those people who criticize me for not talking MLS, let me give you a little MLS. A couple updates. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Bruce Arena is the uh, Ziggy Schmidt Coach of the Year. Of course he is. God, I mean, if anybody has this league figured out, it is Bruce Arena. So congratulations, Bruce. Cue the cheering. Uh, what is he, 70 now? He's, I have to look that up. But uh, amazing stuff. And if you're watching the playoffs, I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't get it. I don't understand it. How do you beat probably the best team throughout the, the year in Seattle uh, without registering a shot? I don't know. Ask Pablo Mastorani. He figured that out. And then he somehow figured out a way to go to uh, Kansas City and beat them. So I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. I, I, I'm a traditionalist. I, I like to just, hey, we won more games than everybody. Bruce Arena and the New England Revolution, you're champions. Let's have some Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And then we'll see you next year. Or just change the damn schedule. One of the two. Uh, some other news. Uh, there are a lot of announcements coming out in the last couple of days. Los, Los Angeles, a galaxy parting ways with Jonathan DeSantos. Here's your hat. What's your hurry? I, don't, I never thought he was that good. So that one really doesn't hit the meter with me. Maybe some people are, are upset. But uh, it looks like the galaxy, in their failed attempt to make the playoffs. How do you not make the playoffs in Major League Soccer? How many teams get in? 16? My God. Anyway, the DC United and LA are going to make a bunch of changes. Good luck with that. Congratulations to Ezra Hendrickson. Ezra in charge. That's what they tweeted out. And God, I like that guy. I really, really do. We'll have him on the program. He's a, he's a fantastic human being. Got to spend a little bit of time with him at the end of my career with Los Angeles. I almost signed a contract with uh, Los Angeles at the end, but I did not. But he was a part of that team. What a terrific guy. He's worked his butt off. He's been, a lot of people thought he was going to be a lifer as far as assistant coaches go, but he gets his opportunity. Uh, beating out Ante Razov. It looked like Paulo Nagamura were the other candidates that were um, in, in consideration. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what that team looks like when he's really... I hope he gets you know, the freedom to really you know, to, to bring a smile to that place. If you know Ezra Hendrickson, I mean, what a smile. What a, what a guy. Even in the preseason stuff in the locker room, it just, you know, it just lights, lights up the room. That's kind of what Chicago needs. I mean, it's, it's tough to live in Chicago. I played in Chicago. I was lucky. I got out of there in November before, you know, you, you, you start touching things and, and it's frozen and you get stuck to it. I'm curious about that. I guess the other big news, if we're moving away from Major League Soccer, would be Ralph Reinick. How many people are learning about Ralph Reinick? How many searches have there been in the last couple of days? Who is this guy that's going to be in charge of Manchester United? I'm a little bit... You know, because we, we all know his history, right? I, I looked up his history. I'm one of those people that looked up the Wikipedia. I don't even recognize this, any of the seven teams he played for outside of the uh, second team from Stuttgart. I don't know any of those teams. I mean, it's incredible. But I, I'm almost drawn to the idea that, especially in the EPL, this is what happens. It, it gets trendy, you know? You know? First, it was everybody wanted to be Dutch. Oh, you had to be a Dutch manager because the Dutch know everything. Everybody's related to Johan Cruyff, and we're all geniuses. No, that's not how it works. I think Koyman just proved that. 
But it, it, and then it's, it moved to Spain. You know, then everybody thought they were the next Pep Guardiola, and then they weren't. And then the Italians had their day. And now it's Germany, the German coaches. So this fascination with, with Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel and Hassenhutl, if you, if you really want to get What a great name, Hassenhutl. Sounds like a problem. I got a Hassenhutl in my pants. That, that's a problem. Anyway, it, I think it's more about being infatuated of the, with the idea of German football right now. But what, what Ralf Reinick did, and you can look this up, with, with Leipzig is pretty fascinating. It caused a bit of a stir because it's the first time it wasn't the classic way to start a club. The club was owned by a brand, Red Bull. That's where the money came from. They, they piled a dump, a dump load of money into this thing. They manipulated the very small group of people that were in charge of making this decision as far as the club, and they started in the fifth division. They changed the name, they rebranded it, and they went five, four, three, two, one. Hey, we're in the Champions League. It's a fascinating story. And, and it's, it, you know, it's about money. And money has certainly bought them their status. And that's, that's the way it works sometimes. You throw a lot of money at something and you have some smart people behind the money, good things happen. I mean, this goes way back to guys like Gerard Julia, who unfortunately passed away last year. A wonderful man. I got to meet him on a couple of occasions. But he was overseeing all of the Red Bull companies, if you will. That includes Salzburg. That includes uh, what was happening in New York and, of course, uh, Leipzig. A big fan of Jesse Marsh, but Ray, and so is Ralph Reinick. Ralph Reinick is, is the guy that really mentored Jesse Marsh and brought him in to their midst, and, and look what look what he's become. And that really is there's something to be said there about how you 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 know it's who you know and and the relationships that you build. But Ralph Reinick is is called a genius at times. This is a different way of thinking. The way that they play, they play a vertical style of soccer. So when you get tactically, you start understanding the methodology and the philosophies behind how they play and how they want to play. It's interesting stuff. It really is. But I don't know what is wrong with me. I, I feel like this has like a Louis van Gaal feel to it. Like this isn't going to work out. Yeah. And I got two boys in my family, Manchester United fans who um, are asking me, who the hell is Ralph Reinick? <laughs> and so it's, 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 it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. There's a, there's a bunch of other stuff going on in the world, but look, this is the way this works sometimes. Very rarely do I get my next guest, but I got him now. Let's bring him in. The man, the myth, the legend. I talked to you on your, your phone earlier, and I love your message. The soothing sounds of my voice. <laughs> Jimmy Conrad, my friend, San Diego State and UCLA. We have a lot in common. We do a lot of the mm-hmm. same business. Great to see your face. Where are you right now? Give me the update. I'm in San Francisco, California, and I am pretty grateful that I have the space to have a nice backdrop behind me and a nice little is setup. That every so award it's, an that honor. You it's an honor. Is that every award that you have, or is that everybody else's stuff? <laughs> it's a little bit of both. I actually have a lot of my high school trophies up, which are kind of funny, my medals from when I was a youth player. It's sprinkled with some of my own personal history, and then, of course, some fun knickknacks that I have accrued along the way. Right. So I'm sure you have a ton of this stuff too, by the way. Well, if, I'm going to make you feel bad. I hope. You, you, well, I, it's going to make you feel bad. You know, my house burned down. So I lost all my shit. So now you feel oh, like a total, right. I, yeah, sorry. I do. I totally, I totally walked that was into like, that. Just take off your shoe, put your foot in, in your mouth and you'll be fine. But no, look, don't worry about it. So you are, um, our schedules got a little bit crazy because you've got, you're covering the Ballon d'Or. So that, that I am, and I that am. that is is uh, going in what direction? Give me the update on the Ballon d'Or. I want to say that right. 
Well, it depends on who you think is going to win. It looks like Leo Messi is the favorite over Robert Lewandowski, which feels like a bit of a shame because I think we could argue that Lewandowski's been the more valuable player, the 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 best player over the last 18 to months to two years. He has scored 54 goals in 2021 alone. Or 64, excuse me, in 54 games, 11 in the Champions League. The guy won three trophies for his club. The thing I think that works against him, Eric, is the that he plays for Poland. And... They didn't do very well in the Euros, whereas in contrast, Messi finally won something big with Argentina in the Copa America, and I think that might be enough right. to, to tip in his favor. Obviously, his stats are ridiculous as well. He's got 41 goals um, in 2021, and he was involved in 10 of the 12 goals that Argentina scored in the Copa America, and yeah, it's just the best version of Messi, you know, and I know it's been a slow start at PSG, so there might be some recency bias as to why he might not deserve it, but uh he also took uh, Barcelona, a very bang average Barcelona team with a bang average manager and Ronald Koeman to a Copa del Rey trophy. I think that does merit some consideration, but it just feel like Lewandowski will be absolutely robbed because they didn't have a 2020 version of the Ballon d'Or, which I think he definitely would have won. I, and I'm with that's you. That's the way life works, I guess. I don't know. You know, it's always that, that argument, well, Messi will never be as good as Maradona until he wins the World Cup. It's right, always, right, you always right. hear that, and now the Copa America... Uh, seems to kind of fit the bill, so I think you're right. I think he, I, I would vote for Lewandowski. If I'm, a, I, I don't get a vote, but I, <laughs> I am certainly uh, a fan of his work. So, but who do you think wins? Do you, do you think it, they give it to Messi? Because it's, I do, I do. I think Messi's going to get his seventh Ballon d'Or, which is wow. pretty ridiculous. And and uh, I already felt like he was the greatest of all time. I can't speak to Maradona was at his peak when I was eight years old or whatever. So it was harder to really appreciate what he brought to the table, especially on a grainy television where you could really barely make out who was who never really got to see Pelé play, even though he did have a, a you know, a little small dance in, in NASL here with the Cosmos when I was a kid as well, but uh, I couldn't really appreciate those guys. So it feels a bit generational, but I feel like Messi's the greatest to ever do it. You know, what? I, I'm with you there, but in situations like this, you know what I do? I, I, I wonder what Zlatan would say. <laughs> what, what what would Zlatan say? I mean that that let's just go out. Let, let's say that's the answer because he thinks it is. But I might as well on this one. I don't think he was a big Messi fan. He didn't like Pep. He didn't like his time at Barcelona. Uh, maybe he would say Lewandowski after saying himself, of course. Of course, of course, that goes without saying. That needs to be prefaced. I would say that maybe I'd say most people would maybe lean towards Lewandowski. That that Messi's done more than enough to warrant consideration. And in some ways, maybe this is unfair to Messi. When Messi puts up those ridiculous numbers. We compare him against the ridiculous numbers he's put up before when he made history, and and it, he, he's set this bar that's crazy for any player to reach. I mean, if Mo Salah, for instance, put up Messi numbers, you'd be like, oh, Mo Salah deserves the ball on door, but Messi does it. You're like, well, he's done it before. Right. You know, know. <laughs> it, it's not that big of a deal, you know? So he's kind of working against himself a little bit, and I think that's unfair to Messi in some capacity. But yes, with regard to how it works right now, and you know, Lewandowski breaking Gerd Muller's Bundesliga record for goals in a season. You know, that record stood for 49 years. I mean, that stuff matters, and I think it's a big deal. And I think Lewandowski's been a tremendous player for Bayern Munich for now, well, this whole career, but the last two years in particular, he's really upped and up a notch or two. That said, with regard to the greatest to ever do it, what's interesting is that Messi feels like he has just this unbelievable talent that, Yes, of course, he works hard and, and, and gets better at his craft, but it's like he's always had it since he's a kid. You see those old videos, and he's dicing people right. up, even back then. And when you look at Ronaldo, Cristiano, that is, he has worked his ass off. And, and for him to work his ass off to maintain that high of a level for so long is something I think we should all be drawn more to because that's a little bit more relatable, that he had to work 
hard all the time to continue to improve and then to adapt his game as the game changed and his body changed and he's still having success and still doing it at the highest levels. But we're all drawn to Messi in some capacity. Yeah. And I think it's maybe due to the ego and that Messi seems to just just go about his business and, and not make it anything more. He's not doing underwear <laughs> ads or whatever. <laughs> he's not, not about his abs not or his hair beautiful. or Botox that, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. I made so the, I made the joke that that, that, hit, that Ronaldo's teeth are more expensive than my house. But, but that's, 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 <laughs> that's, that's probably true. It's incredible. But I mean, and look, and I think to your point, I don't think anybody out there realizes how blessed we are to have just experienced to these players who are at such a high level for such a long time. It's almost like we have to wait until this era is over, till both of these guys retire before it's fair mm -hmm. for anybody else. It's almost unfair to someone like Neymar, who has been right in the middle of this mm -hmm. and basically said, well, I'm, I'm never going to beat these two guys. Well, listen, you mentioned, I don't want to keep you long because I know you got to go, busy guy, but you mentioned crazy numbers. A little uh, known fact about Jimmy Conrad, the, the great prognosticator. Working now with CBS <laughs> with some of, you know, setting the line over there, and your numbers are ridiculous. How did you get so good at predicting games? And, and I'm, I'm, I think you should start up a whole new uh, business here. Ask Jimmy, but, but when, <laughs> when did this start? Uh, and explain a little bit more of that, how that relationship's going with CBS. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy story. Ultimately, I had an agent. When I, when I retired, let me say it like this, and this is the time you and I were doing stuff together on Fox Sports, like the MLS Game of the Week. Right. When I officially announced my retirement, because when we were working together, I hadn't announced my retirement yet, but it was in the works and just making sure that I do, retired due to concussions to give everybody some context. And once that officially came out, I got an email 45 minutes later after it hit the press releases from IMG saying, hey, we want to represent you. And there's a guy named Ben Stauber. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's amazing. I guess this media thing's for me. And you know, IMG is a little bit more in the traditional media, and I was getting more opportunities in the digital side, the new media, as it right. called, with YouTube and all that. I eventually pursued that. So my relationship with Stauber and IMG didn't really make sense because I wasn't pursuing a career in the traditional stuff. But we stayed in contact. Well, let's move a couple years forward. Ben Stauber ends up being the head of talent at CBS Sports, and we go to lunch in New York City. That's where I'm living at the time. And he goes, hey, listen, we're going to get into soccer at some point. I was like, are you... CBS, that's for old people. Like, that's golf, you know? And, and your NFL game of the week and NASCAR. You know, that is a, Hello, friends. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is a, this is, that's not a soccer, no chance is that a soccer station or, or even trying to promote the, the beautiful game. He's like, no, no, I promise, I promise. And I was like, okay, sure. So then TNT gets the Champions League rights and they're doing a little bit of that kind of new media feel to the Champions League. And I don't think it was resonating very well. The, they'd look kind of YouTube-y when people just wanted right. the traditional stuff. And it didn't work, and I don't think TNT was, it wasn't working, and their audience was upset. So when the pandemic hit, they just said, we don't want to do it anymore. And CBS, I think, got Champions League at a cut rate. So I was like, wait, CBS just got the Champions League right, rights? I got to reach out to Ben Stauber just to let him know right. he was right. They got into soccer. It was amazing. So from there, I said, hey, man, I don't know if you're building a team, whatever you're doing, but if you need some guy that is a self-legend and relatively <laughs> handsome with some personality that can talk about you know, the game, I'm happy to be of service. He goes, yeah, okay, I'm doing, he's in charge of like Kate Abdu and, and the Paramount Plus crew and Jamie right. Carragher, Thierry Henry, Micah Richards, and, and then the U.S. guys, you know, Clint and those guys. But on CBS Sports HQ, where I am with Ian Joy and Poppy Miller and Lucio Garcia, he's like, we should talk, I should introduce you to Kieran Portley, who runs all of CBS Sports HQ. I was like, okay, great. So I meet with him. Port has, Port's amazing, but he has no idea about soccer. And it's it almost more endearing because he's still learning about the game and wants to learn more. So he didn't really know much about my playing experience. And he said, 
Well, you got a nice backdrop. Your camera's setup looks pretty good. You're a handsome guy. You got some personality. We'll give you a shot as our wagering analyst. I think gambling's going to be big in this sport. It's going to help really drive the casual fan to want right. to know more about the game. And, you know, if you think you can do that, I'm like, listen, I've been doing previews and predictions on my YouTube channel for about 10 years. I've got this covered. And so when I gave those, I, I'd just been doing it for so many years, Eric, of just kind of breaking down a game, trying to predict scores, understanding what's happening. And you and I have been in locker rooms for many, many years. Of when we can sense there's a certain trends happening, either with results or how they're playing, we know what to look for and what might happen as a response based on injuries or who's available or formation change, whatever it is. And so I just kind of lean into my expertise and what I know, and more often than not, if I just had to pick results, I think I'd be, well, I'm doing pretty well on that side. But it's when I get into the exotic prop bets where it gets a little bit more sketchy, but I'm trying to find really good value for the people that follow me. And, you know, when you get into the really safe stuff, I try to find something that's more, you know, three to one, four to one, five to one. And those, those don't always hit as much. I'll raise my hand and accept that. But, but more often than not, I do pretty good. And I've you do good. found myself a, a loss, you know, a nice little niche yeah. to, to excel. And, and uh, that turned into like three minute hits on CBS to being on their whole pregame show, because, you know, I, I actually give context to my bets. I try to give you an understanding, right. a sensibility as to why I'm leaning one way or the other. Well, you just described yourself perfectly, an exotic prop bet. That's what, <laughs> that's what you are. So you get better at that. But uh, real quick, real quick. So now I'm caught up on, on your life, and I'm glad you're working with the Enjoy. He's one of the greatest it's people great. in the world. He's great. I don't know how a guy from San Diego has that accent, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's so funny because if you think he's from Scotland, but he's, he, well, it's just it's, it's confusing. Um, last thing I want to talk to you about, because I don't know if you, get, if you, if you delve into this when, when it comes to Major League Soccer, but the results have been absolutely whack. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what, what Real Salt Lake thinks they're doing, but to register a win against Seattle without even registering a shot on goal, uh, Pablo Mastriani, I take my hat off to you, but come on. What, I mean, what is going on? <laughs> because we always say this about MLS. MLS is a crazy league. It's really hard to, to figure out who's going to win. And right now, more than ever, with a, a team like Real Salt Lake coming in late, taking out Seattle, taking out um, Kansas City now, where do we go from here? I mean, are, are you delving into those games as well? Of course, of course. I don't necessarily give lines on that because CBS doesn't have the rights to those Got properties. Okay. So more often than not, I'm focusing on Syria. We're Champions talking to League, each other right now. Europe, Just like nobody NWSL. else can hear us. Yeah. So, so that yeah, of course. Outside of that, though, I am focusing on MLS with regard as a fan, right, and just right. paying attention to it. It's what's crazy to me is that I think you and I have been around long enough that the New England Revolution set a record for points in a season. They should just be the champions. And then you should have like a separate tournament for whatever else you want to do. And I always, you know, romantically wanted it to be the Open Cup, just like right. they have everywhere else. You have your domestic league. Whoever's the best after 10 months is the champion and not just some this extra three-week tournament. So it kind of bums me out in some capacity that the top teams are feeling the way that they do about their seasons, even though they shouldn't. And now you have the number four seed in the West, the Portland Timbers, taking on the at number seven seed, Real Salt Lake, in the Western Conference Final for the chance to go to MLS Cup. Now, we're not alone in this, so you could be like, oh, well, promotion relegation needs to happen in MLS. Listen, Liga MA Keys is going through the same thing. They're in their playoffs right now. And Club America, the clear number one, just lost to Pumas this weekend. They were the number eight seed. So it's happening all over the place. Right. It just kind of sparks a conversation of, how should we deem a champion? And if New England don't win MLS Cup, it, it feel it's sad. they're going to feel really weird about it. It's yeah. kind of yeah, like they weren't the best team over three weeks or four weeks or whatever the playoffs are. So I do like the chaos. Ultimately, I like that 
I like the playoffs because I'm an American. We grew up with playoffs. It's all always been part of my DNA when I watch sports. So sure. it doesn't maybe irk me as much as it might the Eurosnob, but I do feel like it, it feels slightly unfair to the team that really were the best over a 10-month period, which I think is a real testament to how good your team was and how they dealt with the highs and lows of a season and not just who was the best after three weeks. And we could argue New England Revolution haven't even played yet. Right. They, they, play, they play tomorrow night against NYCFC. They're the last team to play, and they're just going to be waiting around, and they could lack sharpness. Philadelphia Union were the Supporter Shield winners as the best team in the regular season last year and lost in the first round. Right. I don't know. It's, it's, it's total chaos, but if that's what they want, then they're definitely getting it. And it is very exciting. I just feel like for the teams that put that, that good shift in over a certain amount of time, it feels a little unfair. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I, 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 wanna, I don't want to go too far into the weeds here, but do you like the way that yeah, we... Yeah, you do. Yes, I do. <laughs> do you like the way we start our season in bad weather and finish it in horrible weather and we can't be on TV? I mean, that's... that's oh, when I ran for president, I, that was one of the things I just didn't understand why we weren't giving our players... Uh, and the, 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 the league in its entirety, a better opportunity to showcase itself because the summer months should be used, utilized for something else. It, it, but and, and a, a better finish with people with no shirts on and a beer, it sounds a hell of a lot better than having this, the snow gear on. But mm-hmm. Because that's mm-hmm. what we're heading towards, that we're going to have another snow game. But wh- what are your thoughts on that real quick? I, I, I'm just curious. Yeah, no, no, calendar-wise, I agree with you. I just heard that the USL... Jake Edwards, the commissioner of the USL, is yep. going to come out and try to make sure that they go on to the calendar of everybody else so the summers would be off. I feel like for the one time, maybe in the history of MLS, because the Qatar World Cup is in the winter, they finally have a World Cup that fits into their schedule. Right, you know? but it's so a one-time kind of, deal. Kind of makes me, I know, I know, but it is kind of ironic, let's say. I, I will add that I wish the calendar would change. I think that just being aligned with everybody else makes a lot of sense. I know that we're competing with a lot of different sports in this country, but I feel like we've maybe hit a ceiling on how far we're going to get with our our TV viewership. Mm. And this is it. Like, okay, we're averaging whatever, 1 million, 1.5 on a regular basis. If we switch the calendar, is it really going to change? Are people going to just drop off? Because, oh, man, they're going to, you know, no, they're not going to change. And so... I can understand that fear. When you and I first started at MLS, I can understand why you didn't want to compete with the other leagues. And also, we were sharing stadiums at that time. So right. it made a lot of sense to to not coincide with the NFL. But sure, now it's, it's not now, shaping yeah. up the same way. And I feel like a lot of these markets are starting to own and dominate their markets. You know, the Sounders obviously have huge recognition in their city. Portland Timbers, the same. You switch right. the schedule. It's not going to move the needle in a negative way. So I, I like where your head is at. And I, I get the sense... But there's going to be some wholesale changes in 2026 or, or after that World Cup. So, right. so leading into the summer of 27 or whatever, because they're not going to play MLS games during the World Cup, right? So maybe leading up to that, well, who knows? But maybe leading up <laughs> no, to... You just said to, it right there. We're the only... We're, uh, look, we're going to play... If it were in the summer, we'd play games through the World Cup. They were the only league in the world that does that. I know. So, well, it's because we were doing, we were doing double headers, right? I remember right. doing it with the Women's World Cup, and we had like 80,000 people over there. They were all there to see the women, as they should. So I don't know. It's tough. But I think this is a really valuable run-up time to this World Cup in 2026 where they have to decide, do we want to merge with the Mexican League, which I think would benefit MLS more than it would benefit the Mexican League. Yep. And then do we want to switch the calendar? Because I think if you merge the two leagues, you could have promotion relegation between two divisions, which I think would be pretty cool. And I think the owners would see the investment there and the TV deals would be pretty, pretty strong for everybody. It's interesting times. And I think that at some point something has to give, we have to evolve in some capacity. 
And I'm very curious to see what goes first and if that is the first domino for many other things. Well, I, I don't know. I, I fought that fight. I, I, I'm not sure that I, I want to continue. <laughs> well, we can still have a conversation. Yeah, I understand I, you fought that fight. And, and oh, man, I got, sure. I got my ass kicked is what happened. But <laughs> it, either, either way, I'm sure Don Garber is convincing people right now, see, we were right. This is the way we should exactly. always do things. Exactly. Guess what? UEFA is going to have their say on that. Anyway, I so much appreciate seeing your face again. Um, and continue to do the great work. I will call you off the air to get uh, all your numbers on who I'm going to bet on. I'm a win bet guy, but I still... <laughs> I still, uh, I still want to know who's going to win. You should start a new thing. Do you remember Jimmy the Greek? Yeah, I do. That, I'm like Jimmy the Greek 2.0. Well, just don't be Jimmy the Geek. Yeah, that, then that would be bad. Just be Jimmy. That's true. Be Jimmy the Smart. What would it be? It would be Jimmy the What? <laughs> What's the, finish that sentence. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's a good question. If we're trying to make it rhyme. I'll have, to, yeah. I'll have to think it about have that. To, it doesn't bit. have to rhyme with Greek. It doesn't have to rhyme. Well, what's your, what's, <laughs> what's your heritage? I'm Danish. There it is. Yeah. Jimmy, yeah. The, Jimmy the Dane. Jimmy the Dane. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That, 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 just I got it solved. That, that's perfect. Anyway, brother, great to see you. I'll see you soon. Um, be well. God bless. God, I like that guy. I really do. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's for those of you who don't, uh, are, aren't familiar with Jimmy Conrad, which is surprising, the guy's one of the most amazing self-promoters that I know. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's terrific. Uh, as a player, um, way back when, let me start, you know, I alluded to it when I was talking to him. We went to San Diego State together. He, he moved to UCLA, was a national champion at UCLA. And then he went into Major League Soccer. San Jose was, was uh, his starting point as well. So I got to see him at the very early stages of that madness. And his personality always comes screaming through. It's, it really is. It really is. Uh, he's just a terrific guy to be around. I'm really interested in where this goes with this idea, though. Jimmy the Dane. There's another Dane. There's a famous Dane. It's the football kicker, right? Yeah. So I don't know what they call him. Great Dane. I don't know. That's a dog. Yeah, but there, there's, there's, what was that guy's name? Anderson. Morton Anderson. Morton Anderson, the kicker. Yeah. Lefty. He was, the, he's something Dane. I don't know. But I, I like that. I like that. You know, because Jimmy actually, uh, if, you, if those of you who are way too uh, uh, young to remember a guy named Jimmy the Greek, Jimmy the Greek. Well, Jimmy the Greek, let's put it this way. He wouldn't survive in this day and age with some of the things that came out of his mouth. But what I would say is he was a great, uh, he, he, was, he was way before his time. And he always, it, it seemed like it was always, oh, I got a gut feeling that the, you know, the Raiders are going to win. Or the, I got a gut feeling that the Giants are going to win. But it wasn't. There was a lot of metrics that went in behind his thinking. And that's kind of what Jimmy, uh, the Dane, Jimmy Conrad is doing now. And it's interesting because as, you know, sports wagering, grows in this country and you know, certainly the the nfl has has now embraced the sports wagering and soccer uh is right on its heels if if you go to england and if you haven't been to england for those of you who have you, you understand what i'm talking about i mean you, you make a bet before you go into the stadium it, there's there's hundreds of companies there's 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 hundreds of apps now but that's 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 really interesting but what what really is is special about jimmy is he gets it right a lot I mean, even last night, I had a friend of mine, you know, said, hey, the USL championship game, Tampa Bay's playing against Orange County. And I said, well, I hope Orange County wins, but Tampa will probably win. And I didn't really put a lot of thought into it. I didn't look at who was hurt, who was, you know, what their previous results were. I did see that Orange County had gotten through on a penalty kick shootout, kind of squeaked in there. And Tampa, and historically speaking in the USL, you always, you you see the Eastern teams usually do better. Boy, I got that one wrong. I thought, you know, I thought... uh, I thought Tampa would beat him. It was three to one. It was three nothing at one point.
But anyway, I went back to Jimmy. Look him up, find him. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel. He's got all kinds of stuff, and he's now working for CBS, as you mentioned, making you know, prognosticating games. That's hard. Honestly, if you really, even in that those short bits that were, uh, in our interview, you could tell that he's paying attention. And you know, when you're in this business, I work for Fox, and he has been for a long time. One of the things that you have to do is you have to become a stat freak. You have to know all the stats. You can't let the stats really dictate your opinion of how this is going to go down. Because there's a lot of things that, that in certain venues and, and, and certain matchups, that there's a lot more that goes into it than, than just saying, you know, historically speaking, this is the way this is going to go. And the stats say this is going to happen. That's not always the case. And we've learned our lessons over the years. But proud of Jimmy. I'm proud of Jimmy Conrad. I'm happy to be his friend. Always love talking to him. And if you ever listen to this, Jimmy, thanks for coming on. And we will certainly, certainly, certainly do it again. All right, now back to Manchester United. I want to know what you guys think. I don't, I mean, if, if we're trying to, to, to forecast the future here, it really is a bizarre turn of events. It just came out of left field. It really did. I was talking to the producers here, and we were, we were thinking, are they upset? They missed the boat. There's a couple of guys that they could have got. Would a Ranieri ever have made sense? I always think he's French. He's Italian. I know he's Italian. But if, if, he always seems like the French version of Sir Alex Ferguson. And then I get it. He's an Italian version. of. But either way, this new trend in the game, and when you look at what it takes to become a manager, it really is going to be your PowerPoint presentation that gets you in. PowerPoint, PowerPoint, PowerPoint. And then you have to have proof of work, you know, that the model works. Ralph Reinick certainly has that. He likes to stay out of it, if you've noticed. He likes to be the consultant. He's not a guy that likes to sit on the bench. He's kind of, he looked like he was leaning that direction. It was only one year on, on the bench there for, uh, for Leipzig. And it was basically like, look, let's give it to Hasenhutl. Let's give it to somebody else. Let's give it to, uh, let's give it to the kid. But let's not, you know, I want to stay in the background and, and be a consultant. And when, this, when these rumors came out that Ralph Reinick was going to be in charge of Manchester United, it essentially was as a glorified consultant, but it looks like he is eventually going to find his way to the sidelines. And that'll be interesting to watch as well. 63 years old. Man, I'm 52. I got a chance here. As long as I don't piss off too many people talking right now, I think I might uh, eventually uh, end, end up on the sidelines again myself. Who knows? Either way, I, I think that, that the, the institution that Manchester United is, the global brand that they are, is, is kind of factoring in here when it, when, in my thinking. I mean, I would love to know, do, do people like the modern version of football or do they like the traditional version? Do they like what Manchester United used to be and stand for? And I think Gunnar Schulschild basically stood for that. 4-4-2, baby. <laughs> Let me know when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm getting subbed in, boss. That attitude isn't good enough anymore. You, I'm going through my pro license here in America, which is the highest license you can get as a, as a coach. And the, the models and the style of play and the preferred style of play and the, and the high, performance, high performance model that you have to build and your understanding of the science and the metrics and, and, and that inclusion into how you select players, it's not all about the eyes anymore. There are, everybody you know, is, is being monitored. You know, guys get signed because they ran 6.7 miles, not 6.1 in a game. That's relevant. This, this is stuff we didn't even think about 20 years ago. 
But the in that in that class that I'm that I'm taking or that course, so many times, the the a number of of people that that weigh into the conversation or weigh into the decision making process. It's not always one guy. You got when you get hired like Ralph Reinick, it's not about Ralph Reinick. He's going to be the the figurehead, the face of this thing. But there is going to be a uh, a laund- I mean, there's a laundry list of new jobs. There's people that that are going to have one job and that is going to be watch the left back and see how much he runs and how many times he touched the ball with his right foot, how many times the ball he touched with his left foot and how many runs he made. That's the modern game. It's a, there's so much more scrutiny and you got to come in with a plan. I don't think I mentioned it last week, uh, but let's mention it now. Bob Bradley has made his way up to Toronto. We, we did predict that. I got to speak to him when I was making my drive back to California for Thanksgiving Great mood. He was extremely proud of the work at LAFC. And he was the right guy. He really was the right guy from the starting point for LAFC. He'd done that a couple times, actually. I mean, if you go back to Chicago, the first guy ever to win it in the first year, do the double, in fact. We started this broadcast talking about Bruce Arena, who certainly knows the formula. Guess what? So does Bob. They're really good at it. And for those of you who don't know the formula, let me just give you the layman's terms of how this works. The layman's terms are very simple. Got to have a quality goalkeeper that you don't spend a lot of money on. Then you got to have a leader in the center back position. It's a necessity. Then you got to have the playmaker and you have to have a goal scorer. And if you get a winger, great. Go through the history of the league, folks. Identify those positions in the leadership roles, in the goalkeeping position, a goal scorer and a number 10. You will very, very, I think it was only one time it happened that this league didn't have a playmaker in the champion. I think I mentioned this before. It was Colorado with uh, Gary Smith. Laurentowitz and Masterani, who's figured out how to beat people without getting a shot off. So I guess there's something to that. But there is a formula. And so Bob is, you know, with Carlos Vela, where, where, it, where it went amiss is it, look, just go through it in your mind. They start off with the Costa Rican guy. Sorry, I forgot your name. But they go through everybody from Mazovsky to Bradley Wright to, you know, they couldn't find, to Christian Ramirez. They couldn't find a forward. You know, Rossi did his thing, but he was more, mainly a winger. He scored some goals. He got in a bad mood because they promised then they would move him on, and they didn't, and the pandemic hit. So he had a bad mood to a certain extent in that group, and they really weren't getting results. But the formula what it does work. Look at the team he's going to, Toronto with Bob Bradley. How did they win it? I don't know. Leadership, a guy named Giovinco. Goal scorer in Josie Altador, Michael Bradley. Pretty good goalkeeper. Ta-da. It's not hard, guys. It's not hard. See, I just proved it. I should be hired at MLS tomorrow. I've, I've got this figured out, and I, and I, and I can manage a budget. That's, uh, that's not uh, hard to say. All right, so a little bit of news, too. Uh, you're going to find out later anyway. Uh, Messi looks like he's got number seven. Seven Ballon d'Ors. So my man Jimmy was right. I feel for Lewandowski. Because Lewandowski is one hell of a soccer player. I, I just, it, God, I, w- I wish he was 23 right now. And then everyone would hold him in such high regard that the Lewandowski of the next 10 years would be the new Messi and Ronaldo. we got to wait for those guys to go away before anybody else has a chance. Don't get me wrong. A huge Messi fan. Huge, huge Messi fan. Never seen the game played like that. Some of the things that he's done, I'll go back to the Champions League goal against Arsenal. I mean, just just the the idea, the creativity, just... Just he's electrifying. It's, you know, listen to Ray Hudson. You know, commentate those games. It's probably you know, was he? What's, what's his word? Magisterial. He just goes nuts. 
Congratulations, Messi. But you know, and, and I think to Jimmy's point, uh, it, the Copa America it certainly had a big part of this. It is a FIFA event. It is a huge component of this. And, and I think that that argument about uh, he'll never be as good as Maradona until he wins the World Cup. The World Cups are hard to win, man. And you know, the, the Copa America is certainly a trophy that that when you saw the reaction when when Lionel Messi won Copa America, it was it was. Uh, he was just grab that trophy and hold on to it. I was in, in the stadium when they, uh, when the penalty kicks didn't go well for Argentina and Chile beat them. So, I mean, it's, it's and you saw the, the, just the abs- how destroyed he was. And there was like, almost the idea that he was going to quit. He was going to retire. Like, I, it didn't happen. I'm done. I'm out. I'm glad he hung in there. And congratulations. Number seven is pretty damn cool. That is it. We have a, a big week coming up. Uh, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We're getting, now we're all preparing for Christmas. I will be on my way to Florida this uh, upcoming week. I've got that team from downtown here in Las Vegas that we're going to be playing in Florida, um, in Orlando, in fact, in the National League. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of that. These boys are they're terrific. We, we just went to Phoenix last weekend. We all won all four of our games. Still a little bit upset with God Soccer. They haven't figured out the, the standings yet. I mean, I think I misspoke last week. I thought we, we were ranked number one in, uh, in Nevada, but we, we're, we were in the, in the 20s as far as nationally, national rankings. And we beat the team players, which I, I, when, I, when I say I misspoke, I misspoke because we weren't number one. I thought we were number one, but we had beat the number one team, but they didn't. They got to update that stuff. So uh, shout out to Gavin Owen Thomas. Get your act together and make sure that... Uh, Downtown climbs the charts there. Either way, uh, I will hear you again. We might have a very, very special guest this week. Uh, I can't confirm it, so I don't want to get everybody's hopes up, but let's just put it this way. One of my favorite bands of all time, and I'm really hoping that the stars align and we are able to, uh, to make that interview happen for you. Either way, enjoy the rest of your week. Congratulations one more time, Bruce, Bruce Arena and uh, Messi. Not like those two things are on the same plane, but either way, they are... Uh, uh, they're good news. Uh, this is it for me. I'm trying to get out of here before 40 minutes because I know everybody else has ADHD. And we'll hear you next time.